Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks again for joining the Boca Podcast today. And I'm here with my friend, Megan Newton. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast, Megan. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I actually have your website pulled up in the background. This is something that I do from time to time, uh, just so I feel like I'm actually talking to someone, not just a a voice. And so I've got your headshot pulled up on your bio page. And and by the way, for those of you listening in, uh, Megan Newton's website, Megan's website is meganewtonphotography.com, just like it sounds. Make sure you take a look at that at some point. And uh, we'll share some other resources and links through uh, or, or during our conversation. But beautiful headshot, by the way. You've got a really great smile. And I, I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you today because we're going to we're actually going to continue a conversation that I had just yesterday with another photographer talking about the importance of prioritizing the client's story. Uh, you're taking it from a different angle, which is really interesting. And we're using the word integrity. So we're going to explore all of that here in just a little bit. Uh, But I'd love to start with something that we normally do called the aha moment. And this is very simply the biggest or hardest lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far. What would that be? I feel like I've had several aha moments, but the one that came to me immediately was I participated in a small group of women. There was four of us that we would gather as artists and talk about our businesses. And um, I was sharing about my businesses and one of them reflected to me, it sounds like I have an abusive relationship with my business. <laughs> and I, that it took me a, a long time to understand what it was that she meant. But essentially, I began to realize that when my business was serving me well, or, or I felt like it was, I, you know, praised it and was happy about it. And when it wasn't serving me in the way that I wanted it to be, I tended to talk negatively about it. And it sounds like a, maybe a small suggestion, but for me, it was really eye-opening in how I thought about my business, what kind of consistent gratitude I had for my business, my overall energetic posture and mindset toward my business. And it also, For me, it spoke to the reality that I was acting in a way in relationship with my business that was kind of at the effect of my business as Uh, opposed to, yeah, as opposed to treating my business like a healthy relationship and Hmm. which required taking responsibility and ownership over the success of my business and in general, how I responded to it, my mindset, how I felt about it. And that shift was really phenomenal. You know, it, it changed the way that I interacted with my business and therefore the energy uh, that I put out toward it. And I, I think that I got a tremendous response back. My business definitely took off in a different way at that time. So that, there's something that comes to mind when you're talking about the kind of ups and downs, the negative and the positive in regards to the relationship that you had with your business. It does remind me of, of an unhealthy relationship with somebody where you're kind of riding this constant roller coaster of up and down, right? And the interesting thing about the analogy using a roller coaster is that when, once you sit down on a roller coaster and you're strapped in, 
uh, you don't have really a whole lot of control, right? You're just taking the ride. You're going for the ride up and down, up and down. And I, I love how you pivoted and shifted your mentality from one which was very reactive to right. very proactive, taking control of your business, making it what you wanted to be. And that's, that's huge. I love that mentality. It's certainly one that I'm trying to implement in my life personally and professionally. But was there something on a very practical level that you did to, to create that shift? Maybe like on a day-to-day basis, what, what changed? Again, the one thing that stands out to me was with regard to fi- so fi- finances, right? That's mm. a big part of the up and down. Yeah. Um, so really taking a lot of ownership over that, really looking at the number. So I invested, you know, in professional to, you know, help me set up not just QuickBooks in a way that helped me really see the numbers, but also financial strategies and planning. Um, and this, for me, her approach was really empowering because it helped me to see where my numbers were now, what my projected goals were. And those kind of practical, again, practical things helped me take ownership over, you know, where the finances were and, and how I wanted to uh, grow my business. Um, Did I want to shoot more weddings? Did I want to teach more? Did I want to shoot more portraits? And again, just being able to see it like that allowed me a way to take responsibility for what I wanted in a different way. Um, so I think getting really clear and empowered with the financial piece was a practical way that I did that. And I think that's a beautiful example, and and I can very much relate to it. My my biggest uh, my biggest weakness, really, at least early on in business, was in the way that I managed finances, and a lot of that had to do, really, probably the majority of it had to do with a very reactive approach to finances, and something as simple yes. as you know, putting QuickBooks online in place, which is, you know, relatively minimal cost per month. It's, it, they've changed it and updated and improved it so much that now the user interface is so much simpler, so much easier than it used to be, say like 10 years ago or 15 years ago when right. I, when I was still in photography. And that makes it relatively easy for us to get started. First of all, just tracking expenses, tracking income. But then of course, it's very easy to share that account. You can give your, your accountant our bookkeeper or both a login so that they can access that information and they can set it up for, they can help you set it up and they can also actively help manage your numbers. And, and I'm glad that you pointed out that it gives you the ability then to be able to make intelligent decisions for your business. And all of this sounds kind of nerdy and geeky, but Hey, if we're going to be business owners, it's really, really important that we're actually paying attention to those numbers, the data, right? Numbers financially, numbers when it comes to what we're looking at, especially from a marketing standpoint, this is something I'm continuing to learn, paying attention to the numbers and engagement when it comes to marketing and more specifically social media. We have to look at the data if we're going to be intelligent business owners, and that's just a very proactive way to run a business. So I love that you shared that example, and this is a really powerful way to to get our conversation started. Let's actually kind of take a step back and get into the personal side of things a little bit, and I'd love for you to share, just to begin with, something random that most people don't know about you. I think most people don't know about me that my Second, uh, my secondary and, and third passions, in addition to photography, are backpacking. I could spend the summer in the woods. Uh, so it's definitely a contentious thing where I really have to manage my time in order to do that, given wedding season. Lend a little bit of context to this conversation, too, because you live sure. in an absolutely beautiful part of the country. 
Yes, I live in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm very fortunate to be able to have incredible access to the mountains and not too far of a drive from the desert either for those off-season trips. Yeah. Yeah, it, I feel so lucky, so grateful. And then I, you know, that passion, I have taken time off during the winter. And one year I spent three months in New Zealand backpacking through the wilderness there. And that was an absolutely life-changing experience. So wonderful. Another thing that people don't know about, about me is I'm a passionate gardener. Again, another summer passion. But I've I've spent several years growing a quarter acre plots. And for the last this will be year number five. I've been growing a, an eighth of an acre plot and it's, it's an incredible experience. I love doing it. It's a part-time job for sure, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. What do you love about it? Like what, what is the thing that just makes you want to go do that? Uh, I think it's that immediate connection with, with wilderness, with nature, mm, yeah. that constant reminder of the present moment and life unfolding right in front of you. And I think the practice of gardening, you know, is sort of meditative for me. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the things that draw me to it most. Yeah. That, that very stark contrast between typing on a metal and plastic keyboard and then going out and touching the physical world and getting your hands dirty and, and being involved in the process of growing something that's, that's really, really beautiful contrast. And I think we, we should all probably make more time to do something in that realm, even if it's, even if it's something as simple as taking a hike, you know, we, I have this beautiful, beautiful trail. That's not very far from my house that I've been to a number of times. I've been there with my kids and it's right alongside a river and I absolutely love it, but I really should be there more often. I think it would be good for me mentally, physically. And I love that you prioritize that. I also, I really, and I love, I love relationships and I'd love for you to tell us about, about your wife too, because, um, this is somebody that obviously you're quite passionate about. Absolutely. Uh, her name is Shelly and she is professionally, she is a, a psychotherapist. She has a private practice in Boulder and on the note of wilderness, as you suggested, um, while the, the majority of her practice is indoors, she is also a wilderness therapist. So a couple of days a week, she actually sees clients outside whether that's sitting or an hour while they're walking and doing therapy, but regardless it's out it's outdoors so again just to get back at that point of you know we really both value uh, being outside and truly connected in a meaningful way to the natural world but yeah so she she is a therapist and she's an athlete yeah she she's one of the sweetest most thoughtful people i know so I feel really grateful to have her as my partner. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and this is actually, it, it brings me to a question. And I was actually asking Ryan Duggar, who is a, a local photographer here in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. He's going to be on the podcast. Uh, well, by the time everybody's heard this episode, we'll have already been in the podcast. So make sure you listen to that episode. But Ryan's wife, Jeanette, um, professionally was a therapist as well. And, and the question, of course, that I had for them had to do with how that affected their relationship. And I'd be curious about that for you and Shelly. Do you find, I mean, I'm sure there's kind of the stereotypical, well, do you get psychoanalyzed all the time question, but, but more, I guess on a deeper level, do you find that, that that has helped your relationship that she brings or lends a perspective to the relationship, having studied human psychology that is helpful to the relationship? What does that look like? Absolutely. I think, you know, going into my relationship with her, I already had a tremendous value for mental health and psychotherapy and just that we 
value our mental well-being in the same way that we value our physical well-being. And so sharing that with somebody is incredible. You know, I think if you just have one person in a relationship who values uh, emotional and, um, and mental well-being, maybe you can, you know, rub up against some rough edges there. Uh, but because they're both invested in that way, uh, we both take care of our mental and emotional health. We have really clear commitments around like our interpersonal behavior, how we resolve conflict. Um, and we're able to talk about those things really openly and clearly. And I think, again, just being committed to a certain process, I guess you could say, in yeah. relationship and commitment to self-evolution, we're able to come to the table uh, more often than not with you know, again, taking full responsibility, mm. really understanding what it is that we feel. Cause a lot of the times, you know, conflict that comes up between people, you know, we try to um, have conversation about, you know, about the thing or the instance when really it's so much deeper than that. You know, what is, what's being triggered about that and, and, and whatever that is, is a hundred percent, you know, the individual persons. And I think our culture is so blaming and, I don't think we have a lot of great examples of being responsible 100% of the time. We either have examples of taking too much responsibility and that kind of unhealthy codependency, or we have examples of incredible resistance to taking any responsibility and that it's always someone else's fault. So I think uh, to circle back to your original question, I think being in relationship with somebody who's committed to those values makes our connection deeper and, and more uh, rewarding than I ever imagined. That's, that's really beautiful. There are two things that, that stood out that, that you emphasized there. One was responsibility. And I think um, that's, that's huge and really could be a topic of conversation in and of itself when it comes to uh, personal relationships, business relationships. It's, it's really, really huge. The thing that you also mentioned was evolution, the notion of growth, continued growth, which is so important, I think, for not only, well, obviously for personal benefit, but ultimately for the sake of, of the relationship itself, right? It adds an element of um, excitement or variety to the relationship if both people are growing and learning and then able to share that with each other. And I think that's really important as well. And then actually a third thing, when you were talking about un the under or understanding the fact that someone else's behavior is ultimately on them. Um, and just empathizing with that fact, of course, we, we can all, we all should be able to empathize with that idea. It reminds me of a book called The Four Agreements. Um, yes. And, and in that book, and I, I can't remember the name of the author right off the top of my head, maybe you can, but there's, I'll actually read a quote from it because it's really, really beautiful and relevant. And then we'll kind of dive back into the business side of things. But um, it says, don't take anything personally. You yes. take it personally because you agree with whatever was said. As soon as you agree, the poison goes through you and you're trapped in the dream of hell. What causes you to be trapped is what we call personal importance. Personal importance or taking things personally is the maximum expression of selfishness because we make the assumption that everything is about, quote, me. Nothing other people do is because of you. It's because of themselves. Even when a situation seems so personal, even if others insult you directly, it has nothing to do with you. What they say, what they do, and the opinions they give or according to the agreements they have in their own minds. And um, so I think that's a really beautiful yes. quote. And and I love that you brought up that point. For those of you listening in, we'll certainly link to the book in the show notes. 
Uh, but make sure you check out The Four Agreements. It was certainly a, a significantly impactful book uh, when I had the opportunity to read it. Nathan, if I could say, it's really, I have goosebumps um, sitting here listening to you read that because that exact passage about taking things personally, I know exactly where I was sitting when I read that passage. And it just, it flooded me because I realized that I realized that I had been doing that for years with Mm. no conscious awareness about that and how, how I think, again, there's some kind of value, unspoken value in our society about taking on too much responsibility in a way, you know? And I think when we make it about us, it's it's this revert in a way, like a reverse psychological way in which we are not taking any responsibility. Hmm. And we're we're becoming a, a victim to the circumstance, right? So for a lot of people in practice, when we make it about ourselves or think that what somebody else is doing or feeling is because of us. Not only is it incredibly selfish, but a lot of people take that to the next step and of a woe is me type of position. And it's just paralyzing. And unfortunately, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in that kind of victim perspective. And often it's this root of thinking that in some way, everything has to do with you. Yeah, but I, I like the point that you make about the fact that it is kind of a reverse psychology, right? And it really goes back to the idea we were talking about earlier, which is that it is a reactive way to live life. Yes. Um, taking responsibility, being proactive, taking responsibility for your behavior, and really kind of pushing yourself to understand where that behavior is coming from or those feelings are coming from. That There's a tendency in our culture to just say, this is who I am, or this is how I am. You see that all the time, in fact. And I've really been not only pushing myself to, to ask why, why do I feel this way about the situation or why do I feel more specifically uncomfortable about this particular situation? And that's really been helpful for me as an individual, as a parent. And I've been encouraging my son to do the same thing. My son is 16 and, um, and, and I just am so proud of him and the way that he's grown so quickly emotionally and, and mentally and psychologically. And this is one of the principles that I've been trying to, uh, that I've encouraged him in it as well. I think it's a really healthy way to approach life. I love that, that we kind of dove into the philosophical side of things here and, and I'd love to keep going, but we'll, we'll go ahead and set that aside for a moment and maybe we can even sure. do an, an episode number two and bring Shelly back and we can dive into this stuff in more detail. I think it'd be really fascinating, but there we go. And, and speaking of Shelly, I'm curious though, how do you guys like to spend your time together? I know you mentioned hiking. Are there other things that you guys like to do together and, and how do you kind of create that free time for yourself being a busy business owner? Sure. Yeah. So hiking, definitely uh, specifically backpacking. We spend a lot of, of days and nights out there together. We have a, a morning ritual. You know, I, I think answering this question a lot of times, because I ask people this question as well. And, you know, there, I think sometimes we strive for the grand answers, which are equally as true. But I think what's even more meaningful is just how we show up together every day. So, Mm. you know, we have a morning, just a very simple morning ritual of, you know, sitting down and enjoying coffee with each other, regardless of what time somebody might have to leave and just, you know, taking a few minutes, some, you know, sometimes we're able to sit there with each other for an hour. Sometimes we're able to sit there with each other for 15 minutes and, you know, not be on our phones and just check in with each other and enjoy a cup of coffee. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
So we also like to cook together, run together. We have a dog that we obsess over together. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of dog? She is a rescue. She's a mix. We haven't done the DNA test, but I think she's mostly with it. 30 pounds, incredible hiker, great runner. She's our part of our pack for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we love her. Well, let's let's kind of shift things toward the direction of, of your business. And I mentioned your website earlier, MeganNewtonPhotography.com, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But how long have you been in business? And, and tell us a little bit about how you got started. I have been in business for 10 years, so I got my start in 2008. Awesome. How I got started was probably as a child. My dad worked for Kodak, and he would bring home loads of film. And, you know, had his old cameras and his, his previous journalism experience. So taught us how to use camera at a really young age. And I think also my parents valued photography as a way of storytelling, as a way of teaching us about how other people lived, teaching us about our privilege um, and teaching us empathy. And they, they did that well through ex- exposure via images. So I think that's how I initially fell in love with photography. And then I pursued it in college at CU Boulder. Um, Unfortunately, at the time, their art department was pretty terrible. And I tried to just keep running in the in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication there, but I knew that I wanted to, to do photography. So I ended up transferring to the Art Institute in Colorado and finished my bachelor's degree there in uh, commercial photography. And, uh, you know, initially I intended to do photojournalism. And then I started weighing that with my experience as an intern at a paper and what that life, that daily life looked like, as well as at the time, you know, people work really much more remotely now than they did then. But at the time, a lot of the jobs I was interested in were located in DC or New York, and I just couldn't bear to to live in the concrete jungle. So I had a friend as I was deciding all of that, I had a friend who asked me if I would shoot their wedding and I kind of hesitated, but I did it anyway. And I immediately fell in love with it. I just thought, wow, I can, you know, shoot in this kind of storytelling way that is really... Nonprofit documentary work, you know, on the side locally. So, yeah, that's how I got started. Now, you have to forgive me. You cut out for just slight, uh, just a little bit there. Um, you talked about shooting that first wedding, and then um, the next thing that I heard was documentary photography. What was kind of the in between there? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I shot my first wedding for a friend, and I really fell in love with it. Just realizing that I could, uh, you know, shoot photojournalistic with a photojournalistic style yeah. uh, in a wedding setting and provide them with those kind of narrative storytelling images. And I didn't expect to have that experience. Um, and I realized that I could do that in conjunction with some of my nonprofit documentary work locally. Interesting. So what kind of nonprofit work are you doing or with what organizations? Um, I've shot with several over the years. A consistent client of mine is I Empathize. They deal with human sex trafficking, specifically of children and exploitation. Yeah, it's really powerful, meaningful work. Um, And I've done a variety of uh, jobs for them and continue to work with them. Uh, But they're, if I had to pick a favorite, 
wow. they're up there. That's beautiful. And we'll make sure to link to them in, in the show notes as well. What would you say is your business's brand position? And, and this is a little bit of a tricky question I've found, but, but how do you, I guess very simply, how do you set yourself apart from the photographers in your area? So as it's related to wedding photography, I think my brand position is sophisticated moment inspired imagery for authentic and intentional couples. So will you break that down for us a little bit? What is it? First of all, what does it mean? Sophisticated? Sure. So to me, sophisticated images mean two things, timeless and technically sound. Interesting. Okay. And then how about the word authentic? Cause we hear that word a lot these days. What does that actually mean to you? And how does that kind of translate to how you're shooting your weddings? Sure. Absolutely. I think also this, this word is used a lot and I see in social media, it's used to describe just a, a, a certain type of person, like a person who's celebrating in a way that's maybe offbeat. And I really disagree with that. So it's, I think for, that's why I also couple it with the word intentional. So, so couples who are showing up to their weddings and they're celebrating regardless of how they're doing it intentionally and in a way that's meaningful to them, they're conscious about how they're celebrating. Yeah. That's what it means to me. Whether, whether we're talking about a couple who chooses to, I don't think a couple who chooses to elope, for example, versus a couple who chooses to have, you know, a 250 person wedding is any more or less authentic than the other. It's about intentionality. I think that creates authenticity. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, this is interesting because it kind of uh, reflects on the idea uh, and the conversation that I had with Rachel Sharano yesterday. Again, similar thread uh, as far as the type of conversation, but she was talking about focusing on the client's story for what it was and encouraging the client to kind of, and and, and when it came to managing their expectations, as far as the photography that she was going to offer, not to pay so much attention to these images that they're seeing on Pinterest, for example, but to let their, ultimately let their wedding day be their wedding day. Stop trying to copy everybody else or expect that you're going to get the same images everybody else had. There's no excuse for not providing beautiful imagery, but the imagery is going to actually reflect their specific wedding day and not anyone else's. And so that, Absolutely. I, I think that's so important. Um, you know, it, it's easy to kind of copy and paste when it comes to, well, I mean, certainly as, as a bride, but, but as photographers, even, you know, we, this idea of finding inspiration, we certainly get inspiration or ideas from looking at others work. Um, but, but being proud of and taking, taking pride in actually pursuing something that is meaningful to you as a photographer um, can help create something that might be a little bit more distinct. And um... absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that, to your point, that that inspiration should ultimately come from the couple, right? And how they're celebrating and their intentionality around that, who, who they are. And I think, you know, the piece about authenticity comes from asking ourselves this question about shoulds. So I think as, for example, as eloping becomes more popular and, you know, we see these epic images all over social media, which are beautiful and wonderful, it, to me, it begs the question, how authentic is it? So who is choosing to do that for the sake of just the grandeur of it and um, wanting to have images that look like that versus uh, choosing to do that 
um, and at a specific place because of what that means to the couple, mm. how it's reflective of who they are and how they actually live their lives. And I, yeah, and that, that applies to a large wedding too. Our, our, is a couple throwing a wedding of that skill because they feel like they should or are they doing it because their friends and their family are the most important people to them and they're inviting them into that commitment that commitment with them. Yeah. So again, I think it's it's not about how people celebrate it's about the why and yeah, just asking that kind of that should question. That's a great I love that distinction actually. When when I think about it and I shot weddings for over 10 years, but I wish I had had this perspective then. Um, the idea of when we think about storytelling as a journalistic style photographer, it's it's one thing to capture the events of the day, right? I mean, from an outside perspective, that might seem like telling a story, but really telling a, a more powerful story would come from asking why. What is the motive behind the events of the day. And, um, yes. I think that's a really powerful distinction. And I'm glad that, that you made that uh, on a more techie side though. I'm, I'm really curious from somebody who is such a deep thinker. Do you, do you get excited about camera gear? And if so, uh, do you, do you have a favorite camera body or a lens or some other accessory? Some people who are listening to this are probably going to laugh, but I still love my Canon 5D Mark threes. They are serious workhorse, despite how heavy they are, Yeah, you know, and I carry two of them and I just, I, you know, I've tried other lighter bodies and I, I just keep returning to the Canons. So I, for right now, they are my tried and true. I'm, I've started using the last couple of years, the Sigma 50 art lens, and it's beautiful. Mm. And I use that instead of the Canon uh, 50L lens. And I just love it. It's gorgeous. Um, Do you like it better for the type of bokeh that it creates or what what is it that that draws you to that lens? uh, I actually the sharpness across, across the image. I appreciate more than what I saw in the Canon L50 Okay, might sound surprising to people, but I think especially when you consider the investment versus the sharpness, I just found the art lens to be better than what I got out of the Canon lens. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier too, that your dad worked for Kodak. Do you still have a love for film? Do you still shoot film at all? Mm, That's a great question. I do love film. If I shoot it, it's it's uh, personally, it's not professionally. I just, the, the cost. Yeah. I mean, the aesthetic of it isn't so important to me. It's really about capturing the moments for mm. me. So regardless of whether that's on film or in digital. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like that you're clear about why you're shooting what you're shooting. And uh, this is, I think at least begun to, to become a theme on the podcast. And, and it's, it's really wonderful that our industry is at least starting to move in the direction of thinking about, again, to your earlier point, the why behind uh, why you're doing what you're doing, the, the, the style of photography, the, the business model, that there's a reason for that. And what we're talking about, digital photography, film photography, this is just a medium or more specifically a means to an end. And uh, mm-hmm. I like the clarity that you have in that. That's really great. I, let's mm-hmm. kind of shift a direction again. And, and I want to get into our kind of our primary focus for today, which is around this idea of integrity. And when we were kind of going back and forth a little bit before the podcast, discussing what we might 
uh, address on the podcast. You you talked about the idea of integrity as a pathway to meaningful connection and thriving business. And there's a lot in that phrase. But <laughs> just to kind of get us started, what does integrity have to do with being a photographer? And how are you using that, that word integrity in that context? Sure. Uh, personally, I think that integrity has everything to do with being a photographer. I think it navigates our business practices, um, how we view our clients, the process that we have with our clients, and the quality of work that we deliver. When I was preparing for this podcast, I, I looked up the definition of integrity just to see what you know other sources had to say about it. And there's a variety of definitions. But one of the things about integrity that's really important to me, and I think it's it's commonly defined as honesty, and integrity is so much so much more than honesty or nicety. And one definition that I really appreciated specifies by saying the quality of being honest. And and that piece about quality, it also uses other words such as uh, decency, sincerity, trustworthiness, scrupulousness. I think those things are all really important to consider and all relate directly to how again, how we navigate our business practices and our relationships with our clients. I think they suggest, again, responsibility on behalf of the photographer and viewing our client as collaborators that we're creating with them and that that they and the work that we create with them both deserve as much respect as we offer ourselves. Now, you know, I don't think I've ever heard um, that I can remember any photographer describe it, describe it as a collaboration. Um, mm. what, what, is that, what does that look like to you? And, and where does that, that thought process even come from? So this is a huge piece. This is an essential piece of my business. Everything that I do, and, and again, this, is, this ties directly to me uh, in with integrity, that when you see your client as a collaborator, the, the integrity with which you approach that relationship is different. It's being in power with your client as, a, as opposed to power over your client. And so collaboration is a mindset and it's an invitation. So, you know, I'll have people, for example, who ask me, oh, how did you, you know, get that moment or that image? And to me, the answer is a process of collaboration with this couple. It's creating space for them that allows them to be comfortable with me, to trust me, space for them to show up and be their authentic selves. And, and so it's, it's mutual in that I can't make somebody show up and be who they are. I can't make them, um, you know, express what's genuine between the two of them. Yeah. I, all I can do is help to create space where they feel comfortable doing that. Yes. And then there's a mutual trust involved. They're trusting that I'm going to be there to, you know, with technical skill and, um, and an, and an, and an eye to document what's happening between them. And I'm trusting them to show up in their authentic and expressive selves with one another. That's that's beautiful. I, I love just that simple idea of creating space um, that that enables that connection or that encourages that connection. That ultimately gives them a, a comfortable place to be. And and as you said, you can't force that. But if you help create that space for them, then ideally you have the opportunity to photograph. I, I go back to to emotion. Just raw emotion is one of my favorite things. Uh, being a photographer. 
and um, that, that raw emotion is going to more likely come out if you give them the space in which um, they'll feel comfortable expressing that. So that's really beautiful. Absolutely. And I think it's, again, this piece about integrity, it's, you know, and, it, and it's collaboration, not just for the sole intention of creating beautiful imagery, right? For me, doing this work is about relationship. So if, if you shoot from that mindset, and, and some people maybe don't feel that way about their photography business, but, but for me, it's the, the primary thing is about relationships. So the, I think the beautiful, the byproduct of photography as a, as a means of relationship, um, or that that's primarily what it's about, is that you, you end up with beautiful images because you've been able to create that space together. But again, that the integrity is from this place of relationship with your with your clients and uh truly you know and some connections will be stronger uh, than others but again again i think it's it's the primary pathway for meaningful relationship and i think that if we reflect on any of our relationships in our lives we can probably say that that's true how do you how do you communicate that this is what you offer um, I mean, is it a, is there any way to communicate about this this notion of collaboration and what that means and how it translates to the photography on something like a website, or do you end up being able to share that philosophy more in an in person meeting? What does that look like? Sure. So I definitely use the word collaboration. That's key, both on my website um, and in social media. Um, and then I think in my initial email exchange with a prospective client as well as, you know, our initial consultation in person, I really stress this idea of investing in their perspective. And I make it abundantly clear that my primary pursuit is in getting to know them, who they are, what they value, because all of that is a part of how people celebrate and and ultimately what's going to matter most to them in their images. And, And what does that then look like? Like when you actually go shoot a wedding, is there, do you feel like do you approach the actual process of photography a little bit differently, or is it just something that's happening internally, mentally? Um, how does uh, it, th- what does that look like? Sure. I think that it's both. Definitely. It's, it's an energetic piece. Again, it's a, a influences connection and comfort, but even more so than that, I think understanding the why around how somebody chooses to celebrate and what's most important to them. So those practical things influence how direct, how I shoot, how I capture their day. So two examples come to mind. One, I have, of course, people tell me how important other people are to them, right? Like, yes, this is about us, but it's also just as much about everyone who we've asked to be there and how significant capturing the moments between other people are. So spending, spending time uh, pursuing those moments, not just moments between the couple. And then, you know, an example that comes to mind is I had a client recently who their father is a, is a director of, of an orchestra and he wrote all the music for their wedding. So they had a small quartet uh, playing the processional and the recessional music and oh a quartet word. playing it. 
Yeah. And I think a quartet playing at a wedding isn't um, uncommon. Right. So of course I would have photographed the quartet of, you know, of course that's a, an important piece, but the way in which I photographed it was completely different. So I found out, you know, was he going to be playing any of that music? He was during the processional, but not during the recessional. I photographed the music um, in a different way. I mm. photographed his specific hands and fingers on the, you know, the strings of his violin. And so, again, I think the way in which I captured that small setting was completely different because of the time that I took to invest in getting to know that couple and what they valued and why they were making the decisions that they made. It serves as as the primary guide for how practically I, I photograph on the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the the ability to pay attention to detail and and this and the. Well, in the context of this conversation, anyway, it's driven by your relationship with that couple, your understanding and knowledge of their story. It allows you to be able to pay attention to details that tell a more powerful story in the finished product. And that's really, really important uh, to keep in mind. And, you know, while it's not necessarily uncommon to photograph a wedding with, you know, maybe, maybe in the process of consulting with this client before their wedding day, you're finding out. Um, about a, a particular piece of clothing or a particular piece of jewelry or um, some item that is put on all the tables at the reception or whatever it might be that has some type of meaning to the client. But it sounds like you're taking that to a whole different level. You're going much, much deeper. And it's ultimately that relationship that has enabled your ability to, to do that. And I think that's really important for photographers to note. You mentioned actually prior to, again, prior to the podcast, the, the idea that you've heard from so many people that, quote, my photographer posted images on their social media first before sharing with us. They didn't consider how we felt about the images. And this is an interesting point of conversation because when we're talking about integrity, especially of the story and the way that you communicate that story of the client's. But, but this touches on the idea of how you're actually managing their images after the fact. And I think most photographers would probably think, well, hey, I've got a signed contract that says I can use their images however I want to. I'm going to post this to social media if I want to. I'd love to get your perspective on this topic. Yes. So this is something I've heard a lot. And it relates to integrity for me because it, it's, it's asking the question, how are you considering the client? Again, that idea that you are collaborating with them, you are in power with them. You wouldn't have those images that you want to share without them. And how, so how are you treating them with that kind of respect and, and giving their images that kind of respect as well? And I think initially, you know, when we built photography contracts, that idea of sharing looked a lot differently. It meant, you know, before social media, it was, you know, a couple of images on your portfolio on your website. So I think that that's shifted a lot and what it means to have rights over your a client's images and sharing them looks a lot differently. The sheer volume of use of imagery is completely different just in the last five years, as we all know. So I think what's important to consider is the volume of images that that you're sharing and really being transparent with your client about what that means. And, and also just being sensitive to the fact that these are their private moments and they're their precious moments. And so being willing to share those images 
you know, with them first. And again, this piece of integrity, like go make that extra step and ensure that they're comfortable with you using them. And so do, what does that process look like for you? Let's say you shoot a wedding, you've got some images. Um, again, for a lot of photographers, the workflow would be, let's quickly post you know, a couple of samples up on Instagram, maybe blog about the wedding within the next week or two. But what, what does the process or the workflow look like for you? Yeah. So I think in that process, the client is not being considered as the primary importance. It's again, it's about, I think that's a perspective, a kind of a selfish perspective of it's about me. It's about the images that I created. And again, I think you just have to remember that without that couple, you wouldn't have those images again. So just, uh, you know, so for me, practically, it looks like sharing whatever, you know, preview images like you suggested with the client first before posting them on social media. And that's the first time that they see them, you know, asking them, even though I have it written in a contract that I have the right to use those images under my branding and however I want to, you know, considering how they feel about them. And if they're, because if they're not excited about a particular image, um, I think that's going to put a bad taste in their mouth. Um, and again, it's not respectful to them, to their to their experience, despite that you might think it's beautiful. So again, just asking them again explicitly for their permission um, and, in, and just inviting them into the process, giving them power over their images as well. Yeah, that, that's well, that's a very gracious way to approach it. And it, and it takes the ego out of the way, um, kind of hearkening back to our conversation earlier, but this is, it probably doesn't even take that much more time. Like, you know, some, some photographers might say, well, that would be so tedious to then have to further follow up, even though I have a contract that says I can use their images. Now I got to send them another email or message of some kind and, and ask for their permission. But that graciousness probably goes a long way in helping that, that client feel like they're truly cared about, truly taken care of. Absolutely. And the benefit of that long term for a person's business is far exceeds the risk of, you know, offending somebody or imposing on them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually curious, just as a side note, how many weddings are you shooting a year? Because when we're talking about creating the experience that that you're describing, I can imagine you couldn't do that 100 times a year, or maybe even 50 times a year. How many weddings are you shooting a year on average? No, I shoot between 20 and 25 weddings a year. Okay, okay. There's a there's a video on your bio page, which, by the way, is just beautifully done, and I don't know if you can share who filmed that, but um, in that yes. video is a quote, and, and it really plays into this conversation well. It says, this is not about, and, and I think you're actually speaking uh, in the video saying, this is not about me, this is about the person in front of the camera. And then a little bit later to translate their voice through the photographs, not mine. Um, how does that quote tie into this a topic of integrity and the way that we work with uh, and photograph our clients? Yes, I think it is a, a mindset of a client-centric approach of putting them them first and truly understanding who they are, what they want, what they need, becoming aware of how they feel. So again, I think just this idea that you as a professional photographer, that we are in power with our clients, that we're collaborating, that we're creating these images together, not independently from each other and that we need each other. And so again, treating it as such 
I've also heard, you know, that in the age of social media, I've heard from a couple of people that they felt like their photographer used them to create images that they wanted, Mm. used them to create, you know, images for their portfolio and how disheartening it was for them, despite how, you know, beautiful the scene might have, have been. They didn't, they didn't feel considered or, or valued maybe because what they where they wanted to be photographed um, or et cetera was not what the photographer wanted. And again, so I I think it just, it's a practice of letting go of the ego and, and asking ourselves, why are we doing this work? And if why we're doing it is to get, you know, thousands of likes and followers on Instagram, I think it's doing incredible disservice to our client. And I personally find it to be really sad and ultimately not rewarding in the long run. So yeah, I think again, just spending the time investing in getting to know these people and finding out what really matters to them and shooting from that perspective, that is what is ultimately going to be rewarding and, and be meaningful to them and grow and grow your business. Because again, it's, it's coming from this place of integrity. That's huge. Yeah. And, and, and you already touched on this, but I, I would think that it would be much more fulfilling in the process because you actually have the, the opportunity to develop legitimate relationships, deep relationships with these clients. And again, that, that extension of grace, uh, graciousness in the moment, consideration, integrity ultimately can really encourage that relationship. And, and, and of course, the, the wonderful irony about the whole thing is that through that relationship, these, you know, as opposed to approaching the photography from the standpoint, like you described, of just trying to get great images for your portfolio, if you focus on the relationship, the great images will naturally come from that. But yes. prioritizing that will mean that you have a much more fulfilling business in the long run. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think inviting and encouraging your clients um, to do that when they're not sure. You know, I think, again, we're all client and photographer influenced by images that we see on social media. And so some people feel like they should do something because they want to have really beautiful images, you know. So, uh, again, inviting them into conversation about if, they, if, they're, un, if they're unable to um, come to you initially and clearly define what it is that they want and what they value, um, taking the time to ask those in question, those questions that draw that out of them. And then maybe making a suggestion that fits with what they've shared with you. Yeah. And, and I think ultimately, um, not only, again, will we have a more fulfilling business experience, um, just as a photographer and a business owner, but ultimately the images that come from that will just be so beautiful. And, and I'll reiterate it again, for those listening in, if you haven't been to Megan's website, make sure that you do MeganNewtonPhotography.com. I mentioned that video on your bio page. I, I, you know, you see videos sometimes on photographers' websites and they, they feel a little bit contrived. This one didn't. Um, I felt like I was getting to uh, getting a, a real feeling for the type of service that you offered as a photographer. And I'm sure that's a reflection too of the kind of relationship that you have with the people that were in that video. But who, who did the filming for that? Yes, his name is James King. Okay. And he's phenomenal. And, and I can't recommend him highly enough. You know what? We'll make sure that we get the information and we'll just put that in the show notes. So those listening in, in, in case you're looking for someone to 
create this type of uh, video for your website, for your brand, that you have the opportunity to go, to, go take a look at his work. But uh, at, at Definitely. least go to Megan's site and to the bio page there, and you can scroll down and, and see the video. It's very beautifully done. Um, I just want to make this practical for our listeners before we close the conversation. And I'm curious, based on the trends that you're seeing in our industry, how do you think photographers can be more proactive and their efforts to treat their clients and their clients' imagery with a higher level of the type of integrity that we've been talking about? Sure. A handful of things come to mind. One, the first one to be invest time with your clients. And when you invest that time in getting to know them, using that information to guide your perspective and how you photograph them. Yeah. Secondly, would be to be transparent with them about how you intend to use the images So if you decide, you know, following up with them afterwards and asking, you know, additional permission is not something that I want to do for whatever reason, when you sit down with them and you're going over the contract, just again, be really transparent about what it means for you to use their images so that they're really clear about that. Um, I would also suggest showing them the images first so so that their first experience with the images is not on social media. Again, I think that that you have an opportunity there to connect again with your client and to just post them on social media. I think is first is an indirect way of connecting with them. There's something really missed there. Again, uh, just a way, a, a subtle way that you can show them respect and yeah. acknowledge the collaboration between Absolutely. the two of you to create those. Asking permission if you decide that that's, if people decide that's something they want to do in their business is take that extra step. And uh, again, after sharing the images with them, you know, solicit that, that permission once again, uh, delivering in, again, in terms of integrity, delivering on time, or is an example of, you know, doing what you say that you're going to do. So, you know, whatever is, is spelled out on your contract that you up, uphold that just as much as you expect your client to uphold that. Yeah, just those practical things, delivering on time, showing up on time, you know, early when possible, just doing what you say that you're going to do. Which, you know, is, is an interesting point because it's simplistic and, and really as, I mean, this is something that we should be doing, right? We're adults, we're business owners, we should be following through on the basics, but it's amazing how that likely is not the norm. And just simply doing those things means that we're creating a better experience for the client with our service, with our business, and that makes an impact. You know, I mean, as much as we as kind of artist types and photographers pay attention to details when it, uh, of the imagery itself that most of our clients just don't notice or care about, um, it, it some of these basics when it comes to the client experience get left alone or, or they're not given the kind of priority um, that they should be. And uh, so I love that you bring up that point. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really essential again to this, this point about why you're creating what you're creating in a moment with a client. And if, if, if observing behavior isn't something that comes natural to you, uh, maybe practicing, practicing that and, and learning how to track your clients in the moment. And when you notice, uh, you know, maybe you've made a suggestion to them about a pose or, and you, and you notice that they're not comfortable, you know, stopping in the moment and, and asking them what, what might feel better to them. And again, again, empowering them to collaborate with you in the moment. 
had an experience uh, where something just like this, where I was photographing a couple during sunset at their wedding. They had, they wanted to step out for a few minutes from their reception and beautiful scenery and just a gorgeous evening, you know, and again, some people are more comfortable being expressive and, you know, they were a little bit more reserved. And so I was making a few suggestions for them and some of them were, were really working and I could tell that they were comfortable. And then I could, and then I started to notice that there was a lack of ease happening. So instead of kind of trying to force it and just keep shooting, I, I just stopped shooting and I just, you know, again, it's really subtle. And I just walked up to them and asked them, you know, what did you tell me what you loved about your engagement photos? Like what, you know, what would you feel comfortable with right now? And, you know, the answer was, you know, we, we loved having some images where we were looking at the camera. And, you know, for me, that's, I don't shoot a lot of that's that stuff, but we had just spent a lot of time, you know, in that moment shooting them, you know, candid with each other. And then, you know, they were done with that and they were letting me know it probably really subconsciously in the nuance of their behavior, but inviting them into telling me what it was that they wanted. And they really wanted, you know, more images of them looking at the camera in this beautiful scene. And so we stepped back and that's what we, what we did. And they felt so good about that. Mm. And later on, you know, my second shooter at the time, you know, he just really reflected that to me. And, and again, that notion that of being in power with people and that sometimes as photographers, we, we not maliciously, but sometimes we just start creating images that we want to be creating, which isn't, isn't always a bad thing, but taking note of how invested is your client in that process and how is that working for them? And when it's not being willing to check that and invite them into the conversation and do something different, if that's what feels best for them. Well, and and I think this is a beautiful way to, to end our conversation because it's a, it's a wonderful example yet again of how you're prioritizing the client, how they're feeling, what they're hoping for, wanting over maybe a particular look for the sake of your Instagram feed or your portfolio. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, that these days, uh, most photographers anyway in, in the industry, or at least younger photographers are going to say, ah, you know, those posed, quote, posed portraits, um, I don't really care to do those a whole lot. You won't see those a whole lot in my portfolio. I like this particular style. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, it is still the client that we're serving and right. you, you exemplify that integrity that you're, that you've been describing by prioritizing in that particular moment, what the client was most comfortable with, what they were ultimately hoping for. And I'm sure as a result, you end up with a much happier client. So this has just been a, an absolutely wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it, Megan. And I, I'm, I'm hoping, speaking of hoping, I'm hoping that we have the opportunity maybe to come back to even more conversation in the future. But for the time being, I'd love for you to share just a little bit of where our clients can find you. We've mentioned your website already, but maybe you can also share Instagram and Facebook. Sure. Facebook is um, facebook.com backslash Megan Newton photography. It's uh, M-E-G-A-N. And then there's a double N. So Megan Newton. Um, And then on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Meg. Newton, M-E-G-N-E-W-T-O-N. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners today. Thank you so much, Nathan. I really appreciate it.
Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Dot com.